Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. So I had just developed a love for prison ministry. I had developed a love. I had gone to men's prison, just myself and someone else, and we felt protected there. So I knew this is where God had me. But as I look back over my life, I know that this was like the setup. Sure, ministry, I love ministry, but the husband God had for me, I had to be able to have the open mind. Because, you know, great things don't often come in the best-looking packages. Last week, you heard from Willie Benton, incarcerated for 31 years with a remarkable redemption story. And today you'll hear from his wife, Anne Maria Benton, on the joys and challenges they have faced along the way. Pastor Paul continues his vacation today. I'm Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media. And recently, my colleague Lee Bailey Sealer and I had a chance to visit prisons in Georgia and through a ministry partner, find this couple and their story. Willie is out now, and we'll start by setting it up with him. Long story short, I ended up taking the law into my own hands, you know, getting some get back, some revenge. I ended up killing two guys. My coffin and I shot and killed two guys. So I was arrested and charged with two counts of murder when I was 17 years old. Found myself in a whole lot of trouble. Didn't know how to get out of it. Um, and happened in DeKalb County, um, a metro city of Atlanta. And they actually uh, sought the death penalty. It was a death penalty case because of what happened to the two guys getting shot and killed in the car. So, like I said, I found myself in a whole lot of trouble. Um, didn't even know how to get out of it. That, that was the beginning of, of my whole incarceration experience. Um, and it was at that point when I realized they were seeking the death penalty that and being locked in a one-man cell on max security, I had a lot of time to reflect on how I got there um, and what, what, what I wanted to do with my life if, you know, I didn't, didn't, you know, if I had another chance at life. So that, that changed my whole perspective because I realized that I hadn't really done anything. And if I, if I died that day or died in that situation that, you know, that how would my son remember me? How would my family would remember me? How would people who knew me remember me? You know, is, you know, the only thing that they will remember is this negative act that I created. So at that point, I, I kind of vowed that, you know, and I, and I prayed for the first time that if God would, you know, show me some mercy, help me get out of this situation, that I would do something different with my life. I would make something of myself. Um, so, you know, as God is God, he definitely answered my prayer. I did not receive the death penalty. Instead, I was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences, which is, which is a lot of time for, for a young guy. Um, for some people, it may have seemed like my life was over, but for me, it was a new beginning because I was sentenced to life instead of death. I could have died, but I was still alive, and I had a wonderful opportunity. So in that situation, right then and there, I, I, I made the choice to do something with my life. When I was first locked up, like I knew I had to do a lot of time. So my focus was primarily on myself. I was not trying to be in any kind of relationship or, or or a prison relationship, anything like that. But by the time I met my wife and was, you know, actually, you know, being very positive, productive, you know, writing books and, and things like that, I had probably served almost 25 years. And at that time, I had been denied parole maybe three times. 
three times, two years. We call it a set-off or two-year set-off. They told me to do two more years. So when I met her, I was getting ready to come off of a roll in like maybe seven months. And I was definitely thinking that I was I would be getting out. So that that, that changed my whole perspective on, on being in a relationship. Okay. You felt tell tell us that. How did that did you tell us how you proposed and why did you think you could get married in prison? Because most people wouldn't think that. Yeah. We we actually made a um a conscious decision. Because when I when I first met her and, and and realized, you know, God gave me spiritual eyes to see that okay, this is this is the wife, the type of wife I prayed for. Um and I was being blessed with that. So I you know, I proposed um probably within a week or two after after actually meeting her. But again, at that time I thought I was getting out of prison in maybe like seven months or so. But I was set off. And she decided, you know, I, we we had that real conversation. Like, listen, you know, actually, I'm sentenced to life. In theory, I could actually serve a life sentence. I could never get out. Do you still want to be together? You still want to marry me? Her answer was yes. So we decided right then to just go ahead and and get married while we was in prison. And everything lined up. We had a chaplain. Um, definitely had favor with our chaplain who helped us organize and, and get everything together. And we had a wonderful cer a ceremony that involved um, basically our parents and close friends, maybe 10 people in all. It was it was a very, very touching and Holy Spirit moved. The chaplain actually told us she said it's the best ceremony that she has ever, ever been a part of. You're listening to the story of Willie Benton, incarcerated in Georgia for 31 years and now married to Anne Maria. It's time to hear her story now, and asking the questions is Five Stone Media's Lee Bailey Sealer. Here is Anne Maria talking about a chance meeting with Willie's mother. Um, yes, yeah, she reached out to me. She um, emailed me because I had a, a website with contact information. So she reached out to me, and then we connected on the phone. And she told me a little bit about Willie and that he had already published books from, uh, he had already published, she didn't say where he was. He had published some books and he was needing some help. Um, I did not find out where he was until he and I were communicating. Um, and, um, as we were communicating, we realized we had so much in common. I will say that, um, prior to connecting with him, I was already doing prison ministry. And I can tell you about one particular incident. I was at a, a men's prison and there was worship was going on and all the men were face down just worshiping. And for like a quick 30 seconds, I said to God, I said, is my husband in this room? Like I just asked him that question and it came and it went. And this was maybe about two years before Willie ever was presented to me. Um, but I loved prison ministry. I got to know the kings and queens that were like the anointing, the gifts were off the chain back there. So I I just, I loved the men and women. I, I had people there that I felt safe with. I So when we were our first conversation, um, we were sharing a little bit and um, 
And he said to me, I have something to share with you because he felt led that I needed to know. Because at this point, we were connecting about business. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. He actually, we were able to get a phone call. Yeah. So we were talking and um, he said to me something I need to tell you. And I said, okay. And he told me that he was in prison. And when he said that, I just kind of like, okay. He's like, hello. I was like, I'm still here. And he said, uh, listen, you know, if if you want to get your name off the list, we don't have to talk anymore. You know, I, I understand. And I was like, no, I'm just trying to figure out what God is doing here. And um, what came back to me was what I asked God two years earlier. If my husband was in that room and I knew then God had set things up for me. That when I met Willie, the fact that he was in prison was not an issue for me. I knew God was doing something special. Talk about why you got involved in prison ministry and and, and how did that get started? Well, uh, I ran at first. (laughs) I have a, a dear friend that she was involved in prison ministry. She, uh, because I was preaching different places, she said, I think that your gift would be welcome there. And she told me about it. And I said, I don't think so. Um, that's not for me. And an entire year, I dodged her. I avoided her. She called me. She'll email. I kid you not. And I would avoid her. And then uh, a lady in my church approached me and she said, we have an opportunity to go into prison. Would you like to join us? And I was like, oh. This thing is coming back again. And so I went to the orientation just to see what it was like. They scared the bejeebies out of me as they were telling me all the rules. Like, you know, don't tell them, you know, don't get personal. Don't wear uh, nail polish on your toes because the ladies are enamored by don't pass notes. Don't take anything. And I thought, I don't know if I want to do this, but I kid you not. I went with it, and the first day I walked into the prison, the ladies' prison, I felt at home. I felt like this is where I belonged, to the point where I would go, and there was there were days I couldn't go with anybody else. I would go in by myself, but I felt like my army was already in there. So I had just developed a love for prison ministry. I had developed a love. I had gone to men's prison, just myself and someone else, and we felt protected there. So I knew this is where God had me. But as I look back over my life, I know that this was like the setup. Sure, ministry, I love ministry, but the husband God had for me, I had to be able to have the open mind because, you know, great things don't often come in the best looking packages. I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift that was awesome, but the wrapping kind of was like, who wrapped this? I'm saying, (laughs) you know, it may not have been wrapped perfectly, but it was the best gift ever. And I had to be positioned to be able to be willing to see what was beyond the, the wrapping. Once again, Pastor Paul is on vacation this week. I'm Steve Johnson, and you are listening to the story of Willie and Anne Maria Benton. Questions being asked by Five Stone Media's Lee Bailey Sealer. Why should someone get involved with prison ministry? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, first of all, I have learned that probably if you're in a room of maybe 30 people, I would say at least half of the individuals in there either have someone who's in prison now, someone who was in prison, or there's some affiliation, know somebody, right? There's such a stigma about prison and, and, and inmates, but it's a lot of what we see on the news, and it's usually the worst case scenario. I'm not saying there aren't you know bad people in prison. There are, but the high majority of the individuals in there, not only do they deserve a second chance, don't we all? I mean, when I when I started ministering, I told the ladies, I was like, listen, the only thing that separates you and I is I just didn't get caught. And that's a reality for most of us, if we will just be honest about that, right? And so if we understand that we all deserve a second chance, and for those who really want a second chance, they need for those of us who are on the outside to come in and help them understand how valuable their lives are. I think it's important that we recognize that the high percentage of uh, inmates are going to be released one day. Ask yourself, who do you want? They're going to be our neighbors. They're going to be in church. I've run into them in Walmart. If you want to help contribute to who that individual comes out and, and now how they are part of the community, that's a big reason to go in and help them to become con positive contributors to the community, to their family. Go in and help set them up for success. You know, I, and then not to mention the scripture says, visit those who are in prison. And I think that's a great place to start. You know, this is one of the things I had to really come to terms with. Do I really believe that we're all redeemable? If you really believe that at the core of who you are, then prison ministry is where you should be. How does that unfold? Talk about the Tell the story about how that unfolds and, yeah. and, and how you talk to your family about it and your friends. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, um, I'm going to start off by saying that we have to know that we're in the will of God when we make a decision that's not popular. Reason being is because when people who are not able to see and understand what God is showing you, you have to have the grace that God tells you is sufficient to be able to keep forging forward with or without the support. I came to a fork in the road where my choice was purpose or the people. God has a great sense of humor because in the past I would have chosen the people because I am a recovered past tense people pleaser. Um, I grew up with rejection issues and things of that nature. So people's approval and support was very, very important to me. And so for me to be the wife that I am to Willie, for us to have the ministry, freedom focused ministry, I had to become free of some things that I was 
incarcerated by, right? So it's interesting because we we believe that God brought us together to help the other each other get free. I was physically free but emotionally incarcerated. He was physically incarcerated but one of the most freest person I've ever met. And so God wanted to rid me of my uh my imprisonment to people's support and approval. And he has a great sense of humor. He gave me a husband who was serving time. So what better way to to get free of that, right? And so um, when I told those who were closest to me and my family members, they were not, um, they were not immediately happy for me. You know, um, I think I shared it, but I was, I was preaching, I was teaching. I mean, I was traveling, I was doing these things. And I think everybody had their notion or their idea of who my husband and what my future would look like. And it did not include a person serving two life sentences, right? And so when I told them, I will have to say, um, Willie's mom, she loved me from day one. Um, She opened her home to me. The very first time I came to Georgia to visit Willie for the first time, I stayed with her. She gave me a key to her home. She loved me like a daughter. His side of the family, they were happy for him. My side of the family, I had a few that were like, hey, we want to meet him. So we set up visitation for my mom and my stepdad, and they met him and loved him. Everybody else, it was a slow moving train. I will say that I was hurt, um, just being honest. Um, I was disappointed. I wanted people to be on board. But what God showed me was they couldn't because their approval and support meant more to me than what he was telling me that I was to do. So when I say people versus purpose, I had to say, okay, am I going to give in to what the people were how they were behaving or was I going to choose my purpose? I chose purpose and as a result, it caused me to walk a somewhat lonely walk the first year or two. As God began to heal me, I realized that the faith level that I needed to be able to do this, they didn't have it. And so it was good that he removed them. So I didn't have the distractions and the negativity telling me it wasn't what I knew it was. So it was difficult, but can I tell you, um, God has a way (laughs) of redeeming. You know, when he says that I will restore the years that the canker worm did the look, he is not kidding about that because everyone not only loves Willie and what's not to love, I'm just saying. But everybody loves Willie, and you would think that they were there from day one. But I'm going to say, it's not anything that I've done. It's not anything that Willie's done. It's God. And I believe once we stop trying to convince, um, the, there was a prophet that said to me that what God was doing with Willie and I was equivalent to a husband and wife having an intimate moment in the bedroom 
and me coming out of that bedroom and trying to explain it to other people who were not in the room. He told me, stop trying to explain it. And once he said that to me, I realized how incredibly intimate it was what God was doing with us. And I stopped trying to explain it. And when God was ready to do the reveal, he did it in such an amazing way. And I was glad because it was tiring trying to do God's job, you know? Um, So what does your experience of so much faithfulness, even to the point of not turning your back on your family, but not worrying about your family's resistance either. So um, you, you really went all in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Does that teach you anything about the way we should look at people who don't believe what we believe? Wow. That's a great, you know why that's a great question? Because um, the challenges I faced were, at the hands of believers, which I think speaks volumes, you know? (laughs) I mean, the people that I was looking for to really support are people I expected to have faith. So um, the ones, I had a few friends that are not, and they weren't bothered by that at all. But I I think your question is, it, it does, your our perspective is you know p- them looking at me and seeing all of that foolish faith if you will um i can only imagine uh what it's like for non-believers as we do talk a lot about uh stuff that you can't see but you believe in it um this is what God told you, but there's no evidence of it. I mean, this is this is what I want, right? This is what God's going to do, but it doesn't look like it. So I, I think that does give me a little more um, compassion for them and just understanding, um, you know, how we communicate with them to have a little more empathy uh, for their, because it's an experience as a Christian, even though I'm a Christian, I still had to have an experience with God as much as I was walking with him, as much word as I knew. It had to be an experience. And I think that's what we need to allow for non-believers to have is an ex- like we can't beat them over the head. We can't condemn them. That's not our job. Uh, we can't even convince them where to sow seed and pray for the experience. Did the two of you have a plan about, you know, the everyday stuff before he came home? And and if you did have a plan or you talk about that ahead of time, that kind of thing, um, talk about that for for a woman whose husband or whose husband or, or partner is coming home out of prison. Um, what's the importance of talking through the everyday stuff? you know, space yeah. in the house and who's going to come over and, and what you're going to do on Sunday or what you're going to do on Monday night or whatever. What's the importance of having a plan? It's very important. You know, one of the uh, kind of what I'm sharing with you, one of the things that I, I learned through speaking with a lot of women uh, 
whose husband has been incarcerated is really just um, allowing him to come home and feel like he's a part of the home that was already more than likely already built and prepared for him to come home. Right. So now that he's home, allowing his input, inviting his opinion into things and not having feel like he stepped into something that's not his. So when I speak with a lot of women, they talk to me about like the finances and who's going to manage this. And, you know, what Willie and I learned really early in our relationship is recognizing strength and weaknesses. Right. Uh, some people get hung up on roles. Well, the man does this and the, the woman does that. We've learned strength and weaknesses. What may typically be something the man does, if if I'm the stronger in it, Willie has no issue with me doing it and vice versa, vice versa. I do think communication is huge. We are huge communicators, even with the not so pleasant things. We talk about it. What I love about him is he doesn't get stuck. I used to get stuck. And what I mean by get over and over in my head, um, rehearsing things. And Willie is a person that once it's done, it's done. And we move on. So we implement that in our conversations, even the tough conversations. But we have them. And for that reason, we are the best of friends. Like when I say the best of friends, they say your husband and wife is supposed to be your best friend, but it's not always so. But we are truly best friends because of the level of communication that we have. We talk about everything, even the uncomfortable things. And in talking about it, you at minimum can reach a compromise, right? Doesn't always have to be just his way or my way. We come to a place, but it can only happen through communication. That's huge. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.